This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. We're so excited to introduce you to Great Jones. Great Jones makes high-quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that's so stunning, you won't want to put it away. They have everything from Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to non-stick sheet pans. They've got everything you want. I have the Saucy, which is a terrific saucepan. It has curved sides. It has a pouring spout. It has a lid. And it looks so elegant. It's really a pleasure just to look at it on the counter, even before we're using it. Yes, I love all the colors. Yeah. They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. It's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code HAPPIER. That's greatjones.com, promo code HAPPIER. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss cutting-edge science, the wisdom of the ages, lessons from pop culture, and our own experiences about how to be happier. This episode is episode 240, and as with every 10th episode, this is a very special episode. And in this very special episode, we'll talk about a big happiness stumbling block, anxiety, what to do about it. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, for reasons that we will discuss, being with you is something that always makes me feel less anxious. Oh, good. (laughs) That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles. And Gretchen, I can't count the number of times I've announced that I'm anxious. Free-floating anxiety (laughs) is what I usually say. So this is going to be a good episode for me. Yes, but before we launch in, we're back on tour. Yes, the happier hour and evening with Gretchen and Elizabeth. We we have taken it on the road. We've had some shows. We're doing more shows. It is so much fun. Yes, and Gretchen, it's really more of a happier 90 minutes, but happier <laughs> hour is a much catchier title for our show. Yes. We've been having the greatest time meeting everybody, and I'm happy to report we have a section of the show where audience members offer happiness hacks, and we have gotten so many good hacks. Yes. <laughs> I love the hacks. And we're still, we have more places to go. Kansas City. Oh, cannot wait to go back to our hometown. Yes. Chicago, Providence, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Charlotte, and Brooklyn. Yes. Come bring your friends, bring your book club, bring anyone you want. Your office. We we've, you. we've seen so many groups. And if you have questions, be sure to ask the venues. They are the source of all information. We hope to see you there. And listen, I have to say, the thing that makes me feel like the most kind of grown up and fancy is that we have a tour manager. 
Brent Avins is our tour manager. I'm like, we are the real, this is real. We have a tour manager. We are just amazing, right? (laughs) That's the detail. I love figuring out what we're going to wear. I'm like, this is my Dolly Parton moment where I get to be like, what's my outfit for the stage? (laughs) I I think we have to have a Dolly Parton. We got to have a day where we step it up to the Dolly Parton level. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that. It's more of an more of an aspiration. Maybe we could at least wear blue eyeshadow. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yes. So for all information related to this tour, go to GretchenRubin.com slash events. You can get all the details that you need. We love to see people there. We love to hear people's hacks. We love to hear people's questions. We love to hear who people came with, because a lot of times there's all this interesting backstory about who came together and how they know each other. It's just so much fun. Yes. So, Liz, going on tour is very fun, but there are aspects of it that are anxiety-provoking, like many things in life. And this very special episode is all about anxiety. So this is the emergency kit for anxiety, worry, stress, fear, because we thought it would be really helpful to just have a lot of things that you can use, not as long-term solutions, which are very important, but these are the short-term emergency kit solutions. Yeah, and we should mention there are scientific ways to define anxiety, stress, and worry that distinguish these states, but we're talking as lay people, so we're just going to use the terms somewhat interchangeably. Yeah, so even if you think, oh, there's a difference between anxiety and worry and stress, like we're just going to mix those terms up. Also, speaking of the science, we want to be clear, we are not speaking as doctors or experts, which we are not. And we are talking about the range of ordinary emotions. And it is absolutely the case that some people have a level of anxiety that requires professional help to manage. And for people who feel overwhelmed and can't function, we encourage you to seek help. There are many, many, many excellent tools out there. What we're talking about is people who are maybe feeling an unpleasant amount of anxiety, worry, fear, stress, but still with what we would call like just the normal range, the ordinary range of how people feel. Yes, because there is no way to go through life without experiencing these things. Yeah, and the fact is many aspects of human nature, partly how anxious you are is a function of heredity, and it's also a function of environment and experience. And so some people struggle with these issues more than others, but for practically everyone, it is something that is a happiness stumbling block to more or less degree. And so what we're talking about is the emergency kit. What we're talking about is the kind of stuff, you got it in your basement, you got it in the trunk of your car, you pull it out when you need it in the short term. So this is not deep work or long-term solutions, but just like what can help get you through a tough time right now. So if you're feeling anxious, stressed, worried as we go through this list, think about what might work for you. People might even want to pick five of these ideas and try them and see if they help. Yes. So... This is our long list of ideas to think about if you are like, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed out. I'm so anxious. I can't sleep. I'm so worried about this. I can't, you know, I feel overwhelmed. What can you do? I have to say, I am the queen of waking up in the middle of the night and just laying there. And we're going to talk about that. A million worries, stress, and anxieties crashing down upon me. So I'm glad we're doing this. Yes, because there's a lot of things. And like so much with happiness, I think part of what's helpful is to think, oh, there's things I can do to try to make myself feel better. I don't have to just let this, these waves are just not crashing over me. Like I can do things to try to, to address it. One of the most interesting is reframing. And this is true. You know, I love reframing. You love reframing. Okay, so here's a new way of reframing. So 
sometimes people are like, stress is bad. I should not feel stressed. Stress is not good for you. It's going to give me heart disease. It's going to give me insomnia. And so they get stressed. Like being stressed just makes them feel even more stressed. But mm-hmm. one way to reframe it is to think, well, in many ways, stress is actually good for us. And there's a really interesting book by the psychologist and professor Kelly McGonigal called The Upside of Stress, Why Stress is Good for You and How to Get Good at It. And she makes some points that to me were like, a revelation. She says, actually, stress is our body rushing to our help. Our body is trying to help. And so you feel this stress coursing through you, but it wakes up your senses, like you're hearing and you're seeing sharpen. You think more quickly, less important priorities fall away. It gives you energy to rise to a challenge. It can enhance your physical abilities. It can make you feel more brave. It can help you connect. Like you have feelings of protection or support, or like you want to connect with other people. And so she said, like, think of it as, you know, my body's trying to help me. And so Mm -hmm. it's not like I'm stressed, but you think like, I'm excited. I can feel how excited I am or wow, I'm really pumped. I really feel how pumped I am. And it is also sort of that change of language to be more positive. So instead of saying like, oh, I panicked, say I got rattled. You know, that seems Mm. much more getting rattled sounds unpleasant. I panicked sounds kind of like an emergency. And so part of it is reframing it so that you see how being stressed. Oh, I'm really like you're stressed for performance. But in many ways, that's your body that's going to help you perform. Yeah. Speaking of live shows, that's a perfect place to employ this instead of saying, oh my God, my heart's pounding. Yes. I don't want to go on stage. Say, oh, my heart's pounding because I'm so pumped to yes. go on stage. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, we're so excited. Exactly. Now, yeah. of course, stress does can become harmful. Every medicine can become poison, but but there is this good to it. And you know, here's something else, Alyssa. I was at a lecture at my daughter's school and this guy, Michael Sweeney, who talks about anxiety and children, made a point that I thought was really interesting because he said, many people say, oh, I have this child who's doing very, very well. And yet they're very stressed. And I don't understand. Mm. They shouldn't feel stressed because they do really well. And he said, but stress is part of that. Feeling Mm. anxiety is part of what helps people to excel. It makes them worry about their deadlines and worry about what their teacher thinks. And, you know, makes them study because they're worried that they won't learn it in time. He said, you know, having no anxiety, well, like a lot of times if your child has no anxiety, you kind of want your child to have more anxiety. Right. He said it's more about the balance and having it be a healthy amount of anxiety that's helpful but not overwhelming. And so he said, it's not that you want to take it all away, but that you just want to understand it's a helpful tool as long as it doesn't become, you know, too burdensome. And I, th- I just thought that was interesting to see the connection. Yes. Again, it's seeing there's positives to this. This isn't a totally True negative. for children and adults as well. And adults. Um, another interesting thing, Gretchen, is to remember that perfectionism is anxiety, not standards, which to me was mind-blowing. Yeah. I never thought about this before. Yeah, because I think sometimes when people are like, I'm a perfectionist, like I want to be less perfectionist, they kind of then start arguing with themselves about lowering their standards. But really, it's not about how high your standards are. It's about how anxious you are about failing. That's what perfectionism is. And so if you're anxious about failure, you want to work on that anxiety, not work on kind of like what's your end product and what standard are you implying? So like one thing I love is to say, it's not that I failed, but hey, I had the courage to try. So it's like, oh, I didn't get the promotion. And that is very stressful, but I had the courage to throw my hat in the ring. And so again, it's not that I'm a perfectionist and like, I don't want to try to get that promotion because I'm worried that I won't get it. And then, you know, I'll feel like a failure. It's like, okay, we'll try and fail. And that itself is a success. 
And the other thing I think that's good to remember, Gretch, is if I'm not failing, I'm not trying yeah. hard enough. Yes. I remind myself of that all the time. Yeah. I mean, what both of us do professionally, yes. we have to be failing at all times when we're doing nothing. <laughs> Which remind each other of that uh, yes. unpleasant truth. But yeah, for us, failing is a necessary part of trying. Like if we're not failing, we're not trying. And if we're not trying, we're not succeeding either. So yeah. And Gretchen, there are many great apps to help like with breathing and calming down, like Calm, Headspace, Insight Timer, 10% Happier. They all have different vibes and offerings. So you see what suits you, but it can really just help your body slow down. I, many people now talk about how useful apps can be. Another thing for the toolkit, and again, a lot of these things are, you know, but we, it's like we know them, but we have to be reminded of them, which is talk to someone about whatever is making you anxious. Like get that social support. First of all, you feel less alone, which is hugely important. Second of all, a lot of times solutions or ideas come up. Like if you talk to somebody about some kind of parenting thing, maybe talk to the parent of an older child who's gone through something similar. So you feel less alone. You feel like you have that social support, but you're not keeping up a perfect front. Yes. That kind of vulnerability draws people together, but they also might have useful perspective for you or information you don't have or a way to think about it. Like a lot of times people have things to say that can be really helpful as well as just sort of feeling like the comfort of their presence and their support. Yeah. And I do think what you said is really important of not keeping up the perfect front. Like yeah. a lot of times the stress comes from trying to maintain that front. So once you've broken that yeah. um, wall and told someone, hey, I'm really worried about this, right? You feel better just for having broken that wall. Yeah. A lot of times somehow anxieties, stresses, worries, they kind of shrink into a more normal or like a more mm -hmm. like manageable size when you're talking about it with somebody else, I find. Here's an interesting one. It's a complicated one, which is proximity as a way to manage stress. So what does that mean? Okay, a lot of times we feel less anxious when we're with someone else. So, mm -hmm. okay, you know I'm a very fearful driver. We both have had our issues with driving. So I am much better driving when Jamie's on the car with me mm -hmm. because he comforts me and makes me feel less anxious. Now, this is very effective, but the problem with it is it thwarts independence. Because if I can only drive when Jamie's in the car with me, right. then obviously that's like a much less, right. maybe a little kid feels less anxious when, when a parent is in the classroom. But then when that parent leaves, it still has to be managed. And so proximity, yeah. it's very effective, but it's, it's kind of, it's risky. But here's a great example of kind of almost fake proximity. So I have a friend, Lisa, who is a very nervous flyer under any conditions. And she emailed me that she had to go someplace and she had to fly alone, which again, proximity, if she's with members of her family, she feels less mm -hmm. anxious, but she was by herself and it was very bumpy. So she was very nervous. Mm -hmm. And so she decided what she would do is she would listen to our podcast. And she said so it, it was like you were with her. Yeah, she said it was like you were sitting in the seat next to me talking to me. And she said, so partly I felt like you were with me and partly it distracted me because I had something to think about other than like, oh, I'm just on this plane. Like how many hours is it going to be until I land? And I thought, well, what a great thing, you know? Yes. Yeah. That's nice. That is nice. Helping yeah. nervous flyers. I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we should put that in our tagline. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people feel comfort by having a proximity to their pet, of course. Yeah. Pet your dog. There's something very, that's a kind of presence that's very comforting. 
And speaking of distraction, like having a podcast that distracts you, a lot of times I think people feel like distraction is not good. Like we shouldn't distract ourselves, just like we shouldn't numb ourselves. And that there's a lot of truth to that. You don't want to sweep a problem under the rug. You want to acknowledge that there is a source of anxiety so that you can tackle it. But I do think that distraction can be really helpful for giving yourself a mental break. And I remember Eliza, my daughter, was born early. And so she, for a while, was in the NICU, the neonatal intensive unit. And that was very scary. And so I wanted to just sit there every minute that I could, just mm-hmm. just there with Eliza. And I was sort of burning myself out. And so Jamie said, no, we're going to go to a matinee. <laughs> and I even remember the movie. It was Analyze This, which ironically, mm-hmm. given our conversation, is all about a mafia don played by Robert De Niro, who suffers anxiety attacks and has to go. So he ends up going to a psychiatrist. So the whole thing is about anxiety. But what I remember is that it was so helpful to me to have that just total mental break and lose myself Mm -hmm. in a story. And when I came back to the hospital, I was just in a much, much better mental place. Mm -hmm. And I think he was so wise to be like, you need to be distracted from this. Like, we need a break. Because this yeah, isn't kind of reset, reset, because you're just spiraling yourself down in anxiety in a way that's it's not doing anything to help Eliza. And it's certainly not helping you. And so I thought that was a great example of distraction. Yeah, And Gretchen, the other thing is that's a good example of how someone else can help when they see you spinning out, yeah. feeling the anxiety and they can step in and say, hey, let me help you out. Yeah. So good job, Jamie. <laughs> Coming up, more tools for your anxiety toolkit. But first, this break. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team And hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. 
Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. All right, Gretchen, our next tool is planning. Yeah. So with planning, you plan ahead and say, okay, I know that something's coming up where I'm going to feel anxious. I feel stressed about it. Are there steps I could do to make myself feel more at ease? And one that's a very practical thing, I remember Susan Cain suggested. So Susan Cain, we interviewed her on the podcast way back, like our first year. And she's an expert on introverts and how they can, you know, work more effectively in the world. I remember when we were talking about being the parent of an introvert child, she had a great suggestion, which is, you know, sometimes people want to go late thinking, oh, well, my child doesn't want to go, so I'll go right when the thing starts or right when the swimming lesson starts, for instance. And she said, actually, a better way to do it for introverts is like to get there early so that you're there. It's very calm and quiet. You get adjusted to it. You can kind of acclimate as more and more people come. If you're connecting with somebody there, like the host of a party or a teacher or a coach, you have one-on-one -on -one time with them before like there's just a swarm of people around. And I just thought that's a great example of like thinking about, okay, this is something that I anticipate will make me anxious. What are the ways that I can approach it that's going to suit me better? And I have to say, I had always thought, oh, cut it shorter. But once she said, oh, it's better to go early when everything's calm, it's like, that makes perfect sense, you know? So just to yes. be aware of how you could tinker with situations to make them better. Yeah, rather than going late and just trying to blend in with the crowd, go early so you can connect. have someone usher you through the situation. Yeah, yeah, connect. Another tool in the toolkit, and this is related to planning, is preparation, which is get, you know, really prepare. If you're giving a presentation, rehearse. If you are writing a report, give yourself plenty of time. Now, a lot of times procrastination is a function of anxiety. You're so anxious mm, about writing yes. the report that you put it off and put it off and put it off until like the deadline is so dire that you can't. And then you're panicking because you're like, oh my gosh, I have no time to write this report. And what is the case is that a lot of times just starting lowers anxiety. And so really, really pushing yourself to make that first step, then it's like, oh, okay, I'm started. I have plenty of time. I did this. I formatted the table of contents. Oh, well, why don't I go ahead and put in the stuff that I just have to copy in? I'll do that. Oh, now I have two pages going on my annual report. That you start feeling less anxious. And so preparation is something that can minimize anxiety. Gretch, this is a big one. Take action in the world. Yes. One quote often attributed to Gandhi, although it hasn't been verified, is be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. And the idea is if you're worried about something in the world, try to take action to fix or change it. Yeah, because I think we feel a lot of anxiety about something. and But when we take action in our own lives, that makes us feel better because we feel like, well, I am doing what I can. I'm not just on the sidelines worrying I am trying to take action. Yes. On a much kind of more prosaic level, making a list. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times, and you, Elizabeth, you have night thoughts. You have racing night thoughts. Yes. And one thing, often if you write them down, the brain can kind of let go of thoughts because it's like the brain is like, oh, I don't have to keep this in mind. I know it's memorialized on paper. And so writing things down will often help with that. And then just making a list, I think, also increases people's feelings of control. I know I feel more controlled over an anxiety-producing situation if I just have a list because I'm like, well, this is what I have to do, or this is what's going to be so, required. It just feels more concrete and therefore more manageable. 
So is this like actually if I wake up at 4 a.m. right then at yes. 4 a.m.? Yes. Write down yes. whatever is yes. giving me anxiety. Yes. Turn. I've never tried that. Go into the try. bathroom, make the light dim because you don't want to wake yourself mm-hmm. up with a bright light. Right. And just write down everything that's worrying you and see if that helps. Because for a lot of people, okay. that really helps. I'll get a little pad of paper and I will try that. Yes. Speaking of being awake in the middle of the night, you want to think about your energy. Energy is a very important mm. tool in the toolkit. Getting enough sleep, getting some exercise. The thing about exercise is it both calms us and energizes us. And so it makes it easier to sleep if you're having trouble sleeping. Um, It also kind of relieves that restless, anxious feeling. Like if you go for a two-hour walk or something or or whatever it might be, even a short walk, it just helps it kind of move through your body. I find that I'm much less anxious if I go for a long walk. Definitely. Especially if it's like a beautiful hike or, you know, through Central Park. Like it's distracting. It's beautiful. It's sunlight, you know. All those things. And Gretchen, I have talked about on the podcast how being on the treadmill desk lessens my anxiety about work things. Yes. Especially like if we're getting notes, which can be very stressful. If I'm on the treadmill desk, just that movement helps me take it in and not feel so stressed. It is funny how it just kind of builds up in your limbs and it's released yeah. if you're exercising. Yeah. And of course, Gretchen, a big one is identify the problem. Uh, we Don't just about- get worked up. Try to pinpoint what it is that the problem is and take action. I mean, we talk about identify the problem all the time. And I have to say, it's one of these things where I'm like, why is this so effective? It sounds so obvious. And yet it's so easy not to identify the problem. It's something we really have to remind ourselves to do. Yes. Once you do, you can sort of really do something that will alleviate your anxiety. Right. Like, you know, somebody says, I'm so anxious about this move. But why are you anxious about this move? Because it could be like, well, I'm worried that I'm not far enough along in packing and we won't be ready when the movers come. Well, then that's like a specific problem that could have a solution. But if you're like, I'm really anxious about the move because I don't know my new neighbors, well, then that suggests a completely different kind of solution. Mm -hmm. And so identifying the problem, I think, makes it much easier to figure out ways to tackle the source of the stress or the anxiety. And Gretch, we talked about this one in episode 56, which is schedule time to worry, (laughs) which I think is just funny. It is funny, but research shows this really works. Like set aside time and then like before you're like, oh, I want to worry about this, but I can't because I have to wait until my scheduled time. And then like you sit down, maybe you have your pad of paper and you're making a list or you're doing whatever. And that's you just worry, 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 worry. And then time's (laughs) up. It's like, okay, I got to wait for my next scheduled uh, appointment. (laughs) It really works. And then, of course, Gretchen, one tool is to seek more information on something that's worrying you. So this is the sort of research. Yes solution. Now, this is not just like go Google physical symptoms, which we all know is like, you know, a terrible, like can (laughs) lead you to a very dark place. But sometimes like you can find a book. I always think of books, but you know, or whatever that has information in it that can be really, really comforting and helpful when you're really stressed out. For instance, I was worried about a social issue my daughter was having at school. And I read this excellent book, which I talk about all the time, called Best Friends, Worst Enemies by Michael Thompson. And he has this idea, we can't spare our children normal social pain. And he talks a lot about, well, what is normal social pain? But I was like, this is normal social pain. You know, it's like, that's what this is. And I feel bad, but 
this is part of the human experience. We can't spare our children normal social pain. And that was just immensely Mm -hmm. anxiety relieving for me. And another example of a book is um, a book that many people who are going through divorce have told me is like their favorite book is a book by Abigail Trafford called Crazy Time, Surviving Divorce and Building a New Life. And one of the arguments in Crazy Time is that when a marriage breaks up, people become very disoriented and they Mm -hmm. sometimes very predictably might behave erratically or do things that seem out of character during this period. And so many friends have said, it was so comforting to me to know this is just like a normal stage. I mean, it's kind of Mm. weird and unpleasant, but it's a stage that many people go through and then it gets better. And so they felt less anxious because they could put it in a context that made it seem more normal rather than thinking like, I don't understand what's going on here, which was immensely anxiety producing at a time when they were already incredibly stressed out. And Gretchen, even if you don't know like of an exact book to help your situation, yeah. you may know someone who could give you some perspective or some information. So you can just ask yourself, is there someone who could give me some insight on what I'm worried about? Right. Is there some expert? Could I talk to the coach at school? Do I have a friend who's a doctor who I could just exploit her brain? Like, mm-hmm. think about, are there people within my reach? Because sometimes it's like we ignore resources that are right at hand because we just aren't asking ourselves. Who would know more about this than I do, (laughs) you know? Yeah, there's usually someone. There's usually someone. Gretchen, something doesn't surprise me you recommend is start tracking. If you're worried about a physical symptom or a pattern of behavior, keep a record. Yeah, our memories can be very faulty. So you may think that something's happening a lot more than it is, or you might think it's not happening as often as it is. It's very good information. And also it can be reassuring because sometimes we think, oh, I'm not spending any time with my kid or whatever. And then when you see the record, you're like, actually, it's not as bad as I thought. So just having information by tracking often relieves anxiety. Another tool is to beware of catastrophizing. This is a big one for me. This I, is a big I'm one a for you, Elizabeth. <laughs> yes. So catastrophizing is when we magnify negative consequences. Like we're like, this is definitely going to happen and it's definitely going to be a catastrophe. So Elizabeth, how do you help yourself deal with catastrophizing? Well, I think just realizing I'm doing it is the best thing. And then just trying to say, okay, let me not take this to the worst possible place it could go. Right is really what helps. Now, part of the problem is I'm the kind of person who thinks if I worry about it, it won't happen. Yeah. So in catastrophizing, I'm sort of in my mind, anti-catastrophizing. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? No, so right. It's right. tricky. Um, and I think a lot of people are that yes. way. But yes. I really am trying not to do it because it's not only unpleasant for me to catastrophize, it's really awful for the people around me. It's like Sarah and Adam. So I'm really trying to work on that. It's a big one. Here's a good one. Here's one. This is like, I think of all the tools in the toolkits, this is probably going to be the most popular tool, which is treat yourself to a healthy treat. We talked about treat yourself all the way back in episode nine. And this is not an unhealthy treat because you don't want to do something to make yourself feel better that actually makes yourself feel worse. But it is true that when we treat ourselves, we energize ourselves. And so whether a treat for you is like, going for a walk in the park or, you know, watching uh, the office. That's a treat for me all times. Um, Whatever that might be, having a wonderful cup of coffee from your favorite coffee shop and sitting in the window and, you know, people watching. That's a way to calm yourself down and give yourself that sense of mental release and mental energy to treat yourself. Gretchen, another way to relieve anxiety is to do a good deed for someone. Yes. I remember when I, this really hit home for me. I was talking to a friend of mine who went through the worst time, like, 
her boyfriend broke up with her. She lost her job and she was rejected from a graduate program that she really wanted to be in. And I said, how did you get through it? Because everything ended up fine, but it was a tough time. And she said, I was practically addicted to doing good deeds. It was the only Mm. thing that made me feel better. And it's definitely Mm. true. Like doing good deeds for other people, it energizes us. It makes us feel good. It's one of the nicest things about human nature that one of the best ways to make ourselves happy is to make other people happy. And so if you are feeling stressed and anxious, even if it's a little thing like, oh, I told that person that I would uh, send along the information of the plumber that I recommended, or I'm just going to stop and have a nice conversation with this person, or I'm going to compliment this person about their new dog. Um, Even a tiny good deed, and of course, a big good deed makes you feel even better. So that's a way to, to deal with, a positive way of dealing with anxiety. And here's one that I learned from my husband, um, Jamie, is that when you're super stressed about a mistake you've made, because I get really, really anxious when I've made a mistake, I get very defensive Mm -hmm. and like all worked up and riled up and can kind of have trouble putting it aside. Jamie always says, we've all done it. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I find that immensely comforting. It's just like, we've all hit reply all instead of just reply. We've all made a typo in the very first paragraph of a super important email or resume, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so it's like, we sure have. we've all done it. And it's like, yeah, what are you going to do? So that's a good stress reliever. Gretchen, as we talked about, sometimes you really do need professional intervention yes. to handle anxiety and stress and worry. And there is nothing wrong with seeking professional help. But if it's just the everyday worries and stresses of life, I think using these tools can make a huge difference. Well, absolutely. Because you know, when we are facing a difficult situation, a lot of times we do a better job of handling it when we've taken steps to try to help ourselves to feel calmer, more energized, more active. It actually makes us more capable of dealing with whatever it is that's making us feel stressed or anxious or worried when we've done what we can to manage those feelings. And so the emergency kit is like, okay, what can you do right now Mm -hmm. to deal with those things, which may be small or which may be gigantic? Well, I'm going to try writing down my worries in the middle of the night and I'll let you know how it goes. Good, report back. And then maybe for Christmas, I'll give you like a special dedicated pad if it works for you. That'd be a great stocking gift. Um, Let us know about your thoughts, experience, strategies, hacks for dealing with anxiety. This is such a common happiness stumbling block and we can all learn from each other. We would love to hear your reflections. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 240 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, I give myself a birthday present demerit, but first this break. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. As your kids get older, some things about parenting get easier. They can dress themselves. They can clean up after themselves, allegedly. Other things don't, like having conversations about money. The fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money unless they're actually in charge of it. That's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Yeah, Jack has Greenlight. And one thing I love is that it includes a chores feature where you can set up one-time or recurring chores and reward kids with allowance for a job well done. 
Gretchen, we used to mow the lawn. How much more motivated would we have been if we'd had funds deposited when we completed the hut chore? Mm-hmm. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash happier. That's greenlight.com slash happier to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash happier. Gretchen, I know from my own experience that baby making is not always simple. There is a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And when you want to conceive, there can be a lack of understanding and resources. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from reproductive health to uh, ovulation tracking to conception aid. Frida is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. Frida products are innovative, easy to use, and accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, at Target, and select CVS stores near you. That's Frida Fertility, F-R-I-D-A, Frida Fertility. Okay, time for Demerits and Gold Stars. And Elizabeth, this is an even episode, which means it's your turn for Demerits. Yes, so Gretch, um, as I said, many, I'll just lay awake at night ticking off all the stresses and worries (laughs) and things I've done wrong. Aww. I did not get Sarah a birthday present. And I should say that we're not big birthday present people. It's not like she's expecting some, you know, $200 pair of earrings or something. But she always gives me a very thoughtful gift. Like last year, she knew I had said I wanted to take a flower arranging class. And she gave me things for a vase that just help you put in the flowers so they Uh look great. Um, And they take up very little room. And they're just like very sort of cunning. Uh And so she always gives me something thoughtful. And I really wanted to get her a present this year. And during the year, I think, oh, that'd be a great gift for Sarah. That'd be a great gift for Sarah. That'd be a great gift. And of course, I didn't get anything. And then her birthday came and I had nothing for her. And I felt terrible. I don't know that she cared at all, but I just wanted to get her something so I've been feeling bad about it. Well, I think this is an underbuyer thing because underbuyers will often think like, well, I don't get, won't get this now, but I'll get it later. They mm. like postpone, but then you don't even remember. It's like you've got this yes. cutting and then you're like, wait, I'm just racking my brain. What was that thing? And then. Yes. So yeah. next year, as the year goes on, if I think something would be a good gift for Sarah, I'm buying it on the spot. Good. Yes. Or anybody for that matter. Right. No, it's a very good practice. Just like make a little pile on some shelf somewhere and just have that be the the things that you've already had picked out. Anyway, happy birthday, Sarah. Happy. Sorry I didn't get you any. Gold star for her to being a good gift giver, though. My impression is yes, that she gets really kind of she does. really yeah. smart gift. That's a great trait is to be good at gift giving. Yes. But Gretchen, what is your gold star this week? Well, on the theory of kind of anxiety, stress, fear, worry, I want to give a gold star to a great podcast that I started listening to it's very bingeable, called 10 Things That Scare Me. And our former producer, the brilliant Odelia Rubin, has been working on this podcast. It's from WNYC Studios. And it's called A Tiny Podcast About Our Biggest Fears. And so these episodes are between five and 10 minutes long. And they have a person, and that person just goes through 10 things that scare them. 
And it's mm. interesting, the range, because you do binge it, uh, at least I binged it. The range of things people talk about is fascinating. You get a real picture of the person from what they say. It's just sort of this insight into someone else's mind that's very fascinating. But I will say this. The mm. things that make people scared might also scare you. So you may not like it because of that. And also, you may have a very strong disagreement about whether or not they should be scared by something. So mm. it might get you kind of riled up. So not one to listen to before bed. No, but it's absolutely fascinating. Um, I highly recommend it. And they have this super cool thing online. I'll post a link to it in the show notes called the Random Fear Generator. And you can add your own fear. Like I could have like fear of driving. and But you can just click on it and it will show you different people's fears. And you realize wow, there's a lot of fears I don't have. Like somebody's like, I'm really afraid of big snakes. Not little snakes, but big snakes. And I'm like, big snakes don't weigh on my mind. I never think about the problem of the python. You know, but some people, it's like they think about the big snake, you know? And so I have that going for me. But then you see other fears and you're like, oh yeah, I have that fear. So anyway, gold star, 10 things that scare me. Uh, Fascinating, bingeable, short, really interesting insight into human nature. Can't wait to listen, but as I said, not before bed. (laughs) Especially not in the middle of the night, Elizabeth. Um, And that is it for this very special episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Use the emergency kit for anxiety. Let us know what tools you tried, what works for you. Share your insights and suggestions. We would love to add more tools to our toolkit. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, our engineer, Bob Tabador, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us. The resources for this week. Do you find that you're less anxious when you do something creative with your hands? Or do you like to like do something with your hands while you're listening to a podcast like Happier? Um, I have a coloring book called The Happiness Project Mini Posters where you can color things in and pull out a page, give it to a friend. It's all these quotations. And if you want a free sample to check it out, you can go to GretchenRubin.com slash resources for one coloring page. Also, if you love great quotations the way I do, you can receive a daily quote in your inbox each day. Just go to GretchenRubin.com slash hashtag newsletter to get that. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. But you know what? When I'm really anxious sometimes in the middle of the night, I'll go and I'll get in bed with Jack. Speaking of proximity, Aww. it's like just being close to him. Yes. It just like calms me. And then like I can go back to sleep just like cuddling Jack. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a great tool for the toolkit. From the Onward Project. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for ways for my son to get involved and give back in our local community. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. 
Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, is also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students.